Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. I want to talk a bit about provision today and the faithful provision. And, um, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm so in awe of, of what God is what God is doing, and, and how He provides. But something I realized when thinking about the word provision, I always like to take English words and go back to their root, which is in Latin most of the time. And um, I just went back to the root word of provision. And the root word of provision actually comes from the ability or from the word to foresee, to attend to, and to have foresight. So, so often we will pray for provision when we run into trouble. Anyone been there in the room? Like, oh no, we don't have enough. God, will you provide? And I, and I felt like God wants to ask this morning, that which you're asking for, have you already seen it in spirit? Is there a vision that you've seen and have been following? In other words, provision doesn't come when there hasn't been vision. Provision does not come unless there's a vision. That's why it's called a Provision. Okay? Provision does not come unless there's been a vision. Just anyone feeling it? Okay. Too many people live in the unforeseen. Literally. Literally. Most of our Earth's population lives under the breadline. So in other words, too many people have no vision. God says, my people perish for a lack of vision. So there has to be vision before provision. God's not going to give something that isn't going to grow. He's not going to give seed unless it's going to be planted and allowed to grow. That's a good place to go. Amen. Clap hands. Get really excited. Life-changing. The prefix pro, 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 it, it means what? No, that's prior. Pro means what? In favor of. In favor of. So if God is giving provision, it means He is in favor of your vision. He is in favor of what you see. Then God will provide. In favor, He will give. Okay. Just getting it out there. <laughs> Provision 
part of the provision, also the, the prefix pro means to be set aside. So something will be set aside for the vision that you have, for, for what you carry. But not only that, God says you are set aside. You are set apart. So the first part of provision is to have a healthy vision of ourselves. And God paints that picture. He says, before I formed you, before I created you, I approved of you and set you apart. In other words, I'm so favorable of you. I placed you in the most favorable position and I've already lined up that which I want to provide for you. Even before I formed you. How many of you think about that every day? How many of you think about it from that perspective? Wow, God, even before you formed me, you already approved and set me apart. But you already set apart. You already assigned a budget to me. And I want to say, many of us have not even used up an ounce of the budget God has assigned to us. In, in December, our Air Force suddenly flies a lot. Have you ever noticed in December, lots of round-trip flights? The reason they do that is because they get assigned a budget to fly. And if they don't use it, the next year it's going to be taken away. Some of us don't realize we have a huge budget, but we're not tapping into it. Because we don't have the vision. We're not seeing it. We're not seeing ourselves. And we're not seeing what God has created us for. Just say amen. amen. Psalm 139.14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. A brand new creation. We're living in a new creation as a new creation. What does that mean? What does it mean to live in a new creation as a new creation? Now we're going to go to, we're going to, go to the vision a little bit. Just to shift our vision to see what many haven't seen. A lot of us are waiting, or a lot of people are waiting for the end of the world. Well, they're not waiting. They're kind of hoping it doesn't come. <laughs> it's the end of the world. Okay. <laughs> and it's been preached that it's, the end is coming. And what has been preached is that there is a new heaven and a new earth that's coming afterwards. But Jesus, when he, was, when he was on earth, he spoke about a kingdom that is at hand, that is already here. He spoke about a new heaven and a new earth that you can 
walk into when you're born again. That as you're born again and are recreated as a new creation, you also are given a new heaven and a new earth with which to walk. But what does that really mean? It means that we're not byproducts of the old world. We're not byproducts formed and shaped by what takes place on earth. Rather, we're created fresh and created new. That means anything that comes out of this current world, anything that comes out of this earth, any form of behavior or action or way of thinking, if it comes out of this current earth, then it doesn't come from Christ. Now, we, in worship, we, was, we just sang about faith and believing and stepping out of the fire. And I, I want to say, church, we've got to receive Christ, but also receive the vision that He has for us and step into the vision and start to live from that vision. In other words, if I am born again, if I am a new creation, then that means tomorrow I'm not going to act like yesterday. It means nothing, none of my behavior from before I met Christ comes through into tomorrow. By tomorrow, I don't mean a thousand years from now. I mean literally tomorrow. Nothing. If I say I have been set free from unfitness, anyone in the room want to be set free from unfitness? Now put up your hand. Put it if you really want to be set free from unfitness, from feeling sluggish and tired. Then that means tomorrow you have to do something that enables fitness. You can't say I've been set free from unfitness and then not try and be fit. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay, yes, we're on the same page. So likewise, we can't say I've been set free from the old and then I act like the old tomorrow. This is the power of salvation. God in His grace says, you are a new creation, but we actually have to walk and move like we are a new creation. In other words, we have to see it, we have to believe it, and we have to do it. Faith without the action is dead. In fact, it is unpleasing to God. So I can't say I've been saved and set free, and then from that day I don't change. I don't walk in any different way. I still behave like yesterday. I can't say I've been set free then. That's the gospel. That's the goodness of the gospel. We don't realize how great his gift is. That he gives us a gift. He says, through Jesus Christ, you will be set free. And we have the eyes to see the kingdom. And we have the eyes to see the new nature that he gives us. And we walk into that nature. 
We've got to walk into it. We've got to see it. So a lot of our behavior, even when it comes to finances or provision, is still often in the old world. It's still often in the old ways. We've got to say, whoa, I've been set free. Now I'm going to live in God's provision. I'm going to become a pro. Say that with me. I'm going to become a pro. Now, that word pro has been thrown around very lightly. Anyone in the room like desire, like it, you, you, you stand in front of the mirror and, and you like, you got your golf swing going. <laughs> Let me just point out Melinda. I mean, we have to just, Miller is, is our animator. He, he animates. Okay, he's one of the best, he's got one of the best golf swings I've ever seen. What I mean by that is he's not putting any force or effort. It's just this beautiful, and the ball actually goes where he wants it to go. <laughs> Last week, Miller's standing on the offering box there. At first, I'm like, what? But then I, in my spirit, I'm like, there's something happening. What did Miller see? He saw God's provision, and he saw him having, what is it, Miller? Authority, that's the word I was looking for, over his finances, so he stood on the offering box. He saw it, and he believed it as a prophetic act. Okay, it's just animated. Many years ago, many years ago, long before I was born, in about 1100 AD, churches used to be built to last hundreds of years. They used to build churches, not just churches, castles, buildings. They would spend 200 years building something that would last, that still lasts today. I mean, I only watched Tour de France to see the buildings and the scenery. Cycling. I'm a runner. But Chris Valadin was having a discussion. He says, what kind of mindset do you need to have to build something that's going to take you more than your lifetime to build and is going to last for generations and generations and generations to come. You see, the old way of doing things is to only do things that will benefit us in the now. But we've got to start having a vision for doing, building, investing in things that are going to last hundreds of years, generations and generations. We've got to start having a vision for the next generation and the generation after that, and generations and generations and generations to come. The Bible says a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Anything short of that is unrighteous. Listen, anything short of that, if you're not leaving an inheritance for your children's children, it's short of righteousness. It's in the old world. So I don't care what age you are, Start having the vision 
to leave an inheritance for your children's children. We don't have to build sandstone castles, but we do need to build something that will, that will outlive us, that will outlast us. Does that make sense? We've got to start having that kind of a mindset. And the futurist end times mindset only appeared in the late 1500s, 1700s, 1800s. And now we have microwave popcorn. In other words, by preaching that the world is being stored up for destruction, people have lost their willingness and their desire to leave something for the generation and the generation beyond. Why? Because it doesn't matter anymore. And they've lost vision. And they've lost hope. And now when we do things and it fails, it's okay. Unless you're actually willingly failing to learn, it's not okay to fail. Ooh. Ooh. This is important. Thank you, Shailene. <laughs> We've preached that it's okay to do things that fail. But God doesn't want a single person to fail. Anyone in the room want to fail for the sake of failing? No. So why do we just let it happen? Why do we just let failure come our way? Why aren't we building for generations and generations to come? I'm actually just asking for your friends' friends, you know, not really speaking to you guys. <laughs> Go tell those friends. It's not okay. In other words, it's not God's desire for us to fail. God says in His Word, the righteous man will leave something for his children's children. He will be building something of eternal value. Many have been robbed of vision. Ever been to a funeral where they've said, he's gone home. He's gone to a better place. Now, I'm not trying to be unsympathetic, but what gets repeated is, heaven is better, earth isn't. And, and, and that's what I grew up Asking God every single day. God, if, if, if heaven is better, then why on earth did you create earth? <laughs> and yet God says, this is the crown of my creation. And you are the jewel that's placed on this crown. And you have a God who was thoughtful enough to create this. Not as a second best, but as the best of what he has to create. Our vision needs to change. We've got to start seeing things differently. We've got to start valuing even the material that God has given us. Because God gives that to you. He gives that to you. He's given us even the material. The belief that what is material is evil and what is spiritual is good is a, is an, is comes from an agnostic faith system. Yet God says, look at what I've given you. 
He says, look at the birds of the air, how I've, how I've provide for them. Look at the flowers of the field. Have I not created that? Job, when he's comprehending who God is, he's saying, who is this God who created the ostrich? And the Leviathan, and the hippopotamus, and the stars. And, and he points to what God created physically. And he's in awe of who God is. And God is saying, I will provide your material needs if you will see who I've created in you. If you will see what I have created you for. If you will have vision for the great things that I've created you for. To have any form of fear. Listen, there is no fear in God's love. Fear is eternal misery. Fear is eternal misery. Fear only leads to misery. Anyone had any fear and then been joyful about it? <laughs> okay, there we go. Richard, I like your way of thinking. <laughs> Remember, it's, it's coming as close to dying without dying. Where you feel God, right? It's <laughs> Bill Johnson preached the sermon on Sunday. I would encourage you to, to go listen. He said there's three tactics that the enemy uses to rob you of your vision. He was speaking about Nehemiah who built the wall. Was it Nehemiah? Was it Nehemiah who built the wall? How they struggled for years and then within weeks they built what couldn't be built purely because they had vision. The three tactics that the enemy uses is a distraction or an intimidation or a manipulation. A distraction, an intimidation or a manipulation. Now I want to ask you to weigh those, those words up. By distraction, Bill was saying that, that they try to call Nehemiah out of town. Say, hey, come out into the valley. We, we need to just talk. Sometimes you'll, be, you'll have a decision that you need to make, that you know you need to make, that you know is faith-driven. And someone will come and say, hey, uh, let's just talk. Or, or let's, let's have a, a meeting and let's get a couple of people together and, and suddenly you're distracted. Create a WhatsApp group. <laughs> and they don't intend to, to specifically bring you down, but you know what happens when we do what God wants us to do? And you can test this. Every time you step into what God wants you to do, because you're a light, you highlight other people's failures. Unintentionally, you're a light. When it's going well with you, 
Those around you are going, um, I'm uncomfortable right now. And they try and distract. Distract you from God's calling in your life. Why? Because they'll feel better. Have you ever had a conversation where you, you know someone's doing really great and it's going well, but when something goes a little wrong, you go, <laughs> no one. No one in the room. Just, just me. Just, just pray for me. Okay, but I'm talking about earthly nature. You, in your head you go, oh, oh shoot, I'm glad that didn't work out. because Why? Because it makes me look better. Distraction. The second area is intimidation. Anyone that intimidates anyone is operating out of the old self. Anyone that intimidates anyone is operating out of the old self. Third one is manipulation. Bill says how when they couldn't get Nehemiah out into the fields, when he said, why should I go out there? They called him into the temple. They said, come into the temple. They used their holy reason to try and distract him, get him away from his work. They tried to manipulate him. Bill says manipulation is as witchcraft. Manipulation is a tool of the enemy and it's one of the most destructive because it uses what is good to force an outcome that was never intended for that person. That's why it is like witchcraft. Those three things have one root. It's called fear. They play on fear all the time. Play on fear. Play on fear. And it only works if the person does not have a belief in their vision and is not strong in their faith. So the, the word I'm saying today is I'm trying to encourage you. If fear has any part in your decision making, get out of the old self. If you use fear, stop it. Just stop it. You're not working or acting in God's love. And that takes a lot of, that takes a lot of me. If, if I say me, sometimes I'm tempted. Fear is the easy way. Fear is the easy way to get someone to do something. God says, no, not by might, not by power, not by prime sports drink, <laughs> but by my spirit. <laughs> Don't use anything other than the Holy Spirit's guidance. The only way we get people to go with us in the area is to, to speak faith, to speak vision, to speak hope. Start speaking faith. Start speaking vision. Start speaking hope in every area. If you, if you have employees or family, or and you, want, you know God's got a calling on your life, then, then start to walk in it. Speak it. Work with faith. Talk with faith. 
step out of that old world into the new world. Listen to what the Bible says, what David wrote in Psalm 37. He said, those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth, verse 11, and delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Verse 29, then the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. How's that fitting into a futurist end time eschatology? It doesn't. Wait for and expect the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. There's land that hasn't been inherited. And now we need to inherit it. We need to step into it because we have a vision, a provision. And God provides. Someone say amen. amen. Faith is to see differently. That's what faith actually is. We know Hebrews 11. We know it so well. That faith is the assurance of things unseen. In other words, faith enables us to see what others can't see. Faith enables us to see what the old creation can't see. But when we become a new creation, we see something. And we live by faith. I was listening to someone talk in a podcast about visualization. Now, this, these are unbelievers. Arnold Schwarzenegger, at the age of 30, believed he would become Miss Universe. What did I say? <laughs> Mister. I meant Mr. <laughs> that was woke right there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger believed he would become Mr. Universe. <laughs> and he lay in bed visualizing himself lifting the cup. It's the only way he could get through going to the gym every day and eating a thousand eggs, I guess. But okay. <laughs> Tiger Woods, for instance, at the age of eight, had already had statements written on his wall about being a champion. He was visualizing it. Do you know who in the Bible was good at visualizing? Joseph. Was that Joseph that said that? There we go. He's got, the, he's got the revelation. Why did he have dreams about leading people? Because he lay in his bed at night visualizing it. He saw differently. And then he would go to sleep and he would have dreams of what he's visualizing and seeing. You've got to see that God creates us, even from a young age, to be someone or something. I would say, I want to say that Joseph was, could have been eight years old. Having visualization, dreaming, seeing. The thing that makes him different. And, and let me say this, unbelievers can visualize and see. What happens when believers start visualizing, seeing, and having faith? They become leaders of nations. That's what happens. Joseph didn't have dreams just pop into his head accidentally. He went there 
He focused his mind and his attention on his dreams. That's why in prison he was the guy who could interpret dreams. Because he practiced it. It wasn't just some random thing that came upon him every now and then. He lived in it, practiced it. And he was so confident in it. He could put his faith in it. So confident that he could put his he could interpret others' dreams. That's how confident he was in his own interpretation. God wants to wake up the vision seers, the dreamers. Shailene, just can you come share what you were just what you just saw in the prayer meeting? Imagine um, for a second the kingdom of uh, that Nebuchadnezzar was ruling over. <clears throat> Imagine the nation and the thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, submitted to this slavery, this government of slavery. And then you imagine the life of Daniel. And I'm going to just take you to Daniel 4, verse 8 to 9. This, these are the words of Nebuchadnezzar. Finally, Daniel, named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and a spirit of the holy gods in him came before me. I told him the dream. Belteshazzar, head of the magicians, because I know that you have the spirit of the holy gods and that no mystery puzzles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. And then he told him the dream. Do you want me to say what I thought? <laughs> no, the Lord was speaking clearly to each of us. He was saying that heaven's are open to us, the mysteries of the kingdom are revealed to his people. Could you imagine a condition any worse than the kingdom of Babylon to squash your ability to hear the master? But actually, Daniel wasn't a slave. He didn't submit to that regime. He had the kingdom buried deep inside of him and was living from it, irrespective of this inflated dude who just you know, built a statue as tall as however tall it was to himself. And that... Word came to him and turned the heart of that king. Do you know what he said at the end of Daniel? You know, somewhere in the middle of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar gets saved. How wild is that? And here we are complaining that our little, our little government in our mind, no, 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 God raised them up. And then he put inside of us the mysteries that will solve this country. If you can't believe that, why are we even here? That's, I speak to myself, eh? <laughs> Thanks, Shalene. Faith is to see differently, to bring that kind of transformation where your biggest enemy becomes transformed, where he meets Jesus. Hebrews 12. Someone said to me this week, why do you run? Proverbs, what something says, what's it? Only the wicked run when no one chases them. I said, I'm a, I'm a run and not grow weary kind of guy. Proverbs 12 verse 1 says, let us run with patient endurance and steady active persistence, the appointed course. That's just for the unbelievers in running out there. Where I really want to go to is looking away. 
to Jesus from looking away from the amplified says looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader and the source of our faith and is also its finisher he for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him endured and I want you to circle the word cross endured the cross despising and ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of God. Jesus' journey over here is first he was put on the cross, then he endured the shame of it, and now he is seated at the right hand. We are on a similar journey in that God wants to God wants to reveal his glory, but he, he wants to come and, and set us free, firstly, from being byproducts of an evil world. The cross represents the physical nature of the earth. The, 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 now, don't get all spiritual about the cross. I mean the Roman wooden cross, the the tool of manipulation. Remember, that's what it was. An intimidation. It was a tool that was used to get everyone in line. Does that make sense? We go, the cross, oh, the cross, which is good, which is biblical, but let's go before Jesus was on the cross. Jesus was taken to that place where he overcome, came all of that. All of that wickedness, manipulation, he opened up the door to provision in a new world by being physically abased. He wants to bring physical provision. He broke open the way to physical provision. Secondly, it says he endured the shame. That's, that's the emotional space. That, that is our emotion, sometimes controlled by hormones, sometimes controlled by frustration, sometimes controlled by whatever it is. Jesus wants to get into that emotional space, that part that you say you can't control. Jesus wants to get in there. He's saying, I endured the shame so that you don't have to. That fear that wells up in your emotions, the, the anxiousness, the, the anger, the frustration. Jesus, Jesus died. He went on that journey so that your, even your emotions can be created new. And then he sat on the throne so that you can now walk in the spiritual reality of the kingdom. That's that's the power of what Jesus did. That's, that's his resurrection story. Hebrews 11 verse 20 says, With eyes of faith, Isaac, looking far into the future, invoked blessings upon Jacob and Esau. Isaac lay in his last days and with eyes that didn't look at his 
physical condition. Where did he get that from? His mom, his mother. Bible says Sarah and Abraham, without considering their physical age, were transformed physically to have a child who became Isaac. And so he has Isaac, and with eyes of faith, he was looking way beyond his current situation. And he blessed his sons so that they would be a blessing for generations to come. Verse 40 says, verse 39 says, although they weren't, although they won approval, they didn't receive the promise. Now verse 40, because God has us in mind. I want to say, God is visualizing us. God, literally when he thinks about you, it's not just a thought somewhere. You're not just a name in a cabinet. Anyone have that picture? Like one day, one day God's going to judge you and he's going to open the cabinet and find your file and be like, oh, yes, yes, okay, approved. No, no, he actually visualizes you. He, he actually imagines you as he created you to be. God has us in mind means he thinks of you the whole time. You can't count the thoughts he has for you. You can't count what God wants, the, the, the thoughts that he has for you. And it says, and he had us in mind and something greater in view for us. I just highlighted that word like a hundred times this morning. In view. He had us in mind and something greater in view. God wants to give us provision. And we can start to see the way God sees and start to expect to receive what God has for us based on who He created us to be. Faith is having a divine testimony to see things that enables us to see things with an eternal mindset. Faith heals, faith restores, faith reveals, faith brings deliverance, faith moves, faith assures us, faith prompts us, faith transforms us, faith enables us to seek and find. Faith enables us to obey. Faith raises the dead. Faith sees the kingdom of God manifest here on earth. Will you join us in stepping into faith completely? Lord, I just want to pray over every person sitting here this morning that you will enable and strengthen our faith. Hebrews 11 is a collection of stories of people who are sustained and activated and assured and restored and delivered and moved by faith. They saw something that others didn't see. 
And God, I pray that every person in this room will see what others don't see. That they will see the kingdom. They will see his glory and they will step into it. And we just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Just receive that. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.